As the group embarks on their journey to Bastion, the sun is just setting in the distant mountains. It's not long as they make their way through the forests and snow-swept plains that surround the enormous human city. Approaching the gates, they're led inside to a sizable plaza, where the group now finds themselves poised and ready to split up on their separate tasks of gathering the ingredients in order to reform a dead body. As Luna looks to the sky, she then addresses you all and says, We haven't much time. If we want to access any shops or public services, we best get on our way. Val, Vamok? She just kinks her head in one direction and starts off, expecting you to follow. Val will follow. So does Vamok. He's got no problem. Well, Barty, lead the way. Where do we start? Well, we're trying to find something that'll, you know, we need the replacement for the third eye of a four-eyed newt. And, uh, well, let's just find uh, the nearest apothecary. We probably want one of a uh, least decent reputation. It can't just be random trash. We're going to need some high-quality goods. Uh, honestly, I don't know. I've never been to Bastion before. Have you all ever made it down to the city, living here so close? I think the only one that has is Vamok. <laughs> He's just walking away. <laughs> The three people who who could have given you any information. <laughs> you guys go get the branch. <laughs> Hope you're a botanist. I'll tell you what, Mickey. It can't be that hard. Let's just find ourselves an apothecary on the nicer side of town. Let's just, we'll look around, ask for a couple of directions. The way I live my life, you willing to help out people, people willing to help you out. Solves the problem pretty quick. Absolutely. And with Bartholomew and Mick on their way, that just leaves... Reese, or that just leaves Rolandier and Brynjir. Every time. <laughs> Every dadgum time. <sighs> well, you're right. I haven't been for a jog in quite some time, but I guess that did me well. Um, where are we, Brynjir? I've never actually been to the city. Where have you led us? We need to make our way to the northeast, to the, the market district. All right. Very well, then. Lead the way. And Brynir does so. Heading west in the city, Vamok and Val trailing behind her, Luna cuts a quick path through any crowds, dipping and weaving through them expertly. Uh, suffice to say, it definitely takes a bit of concentration and physical effort to keep up with her. Okay. But you're still able to converse. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Frankly, I don't know that Val has... Any anything to say to Vamok? <laughs> what nice weather we're having! <laughs> so, Valmas, you are Elvret, and you speak magic. Interesting upbringing. <laughs> I am Elvaret, and I do speak magic. And you can write it as well. Impressive. <laughs> Are you impressed? Not many know how to write in magic. It is not a feat common amongst the kin. 
Are you impressed? <laughs> I am surprised. Well, I suppose that will have to do, won't it? For now. You killed an aspect on your own? Yes. I am surprised. Then we are both surprised by each other. Luna calls behind at the pair of you. Good gods, I want to claw my eyes out. Could you two hurry up? <laughs> yes, yes, we are coming. Well, perhaps we got off on the wrong foot. Perhaps I was a bit short with everybody. But I needed to know the strengths and the weaknesses of this particular group. It is no small task that we are embarking on. I need to know what you and the others are willing to sacrifice. It would appear you have lost many already. Are you prepared to lose more? I don't know that I will ever be prepared to lose more. But I have no doubt that I will. All things eventually die. But perhaps with enough power, we can prolong life, especially if we really are going after all the ethereals. Tell me, why is it that you want them dead? Why is it not enough to kill the one who started all of this? Because they rule this world, and they do not do so justly. I am not suggesting that I would do better. I don't think that that anyone could do better and what that is why I don't think that anyone should be in such a position any longer. I am I am tired of the games and the puppetry and feeling like a piece on a board in a game. I want that to stop. And it may for a while, but it would only create a vacuum. And I do not know everything about this world, but the power harnessed by the gods. I do not believe killing them would make such power cease to exist. Perhaps it would be scattered, but eventually new gods would rise. But by that time, perhaps you and I will both be dead, and it will no longer be our problem. If I can make it easier for whoever comes after me, that is good enough. And would you still go on this course, even if it doesn't make anything easier? Even if after all your struggle and sacrifice, nothing changed? Old gods replaced by new ones. Cruelty replaced by tyranny. It is the same where I come from. Those in power abuse it. Some usurp the power. But in the end, they become the unjust rulers. So tell me. Would you become the ruler, or would you let someone else take the power for themselves? I would change the system entirely. To do that, you would need a great deal of power. Well, then we will have to make you into a godborn, won't we? Yes, I agree. Luna smirks and looks over her shoulder at the pair of you and says, I'll be damned if that wasn't a compliment. I have given him many compliments. <laughs> And I him. I said I was surprised, did I not? Not an easy feat. 
to accomplish. Now, where is this tree we are looking for? There won't be a tree here, but on the northwestern side, above the wharfs, there is a rich neighborhood that I believe may have some pieces made of Sindarinok. One in particular, if it's still standing. And she ushers you along a little quicker. Elsewhere in the city, Bartholomew and Mick traverse the tightly packed streets, overshadowed by curving overhangs of second and third story buildings in a bustling kind of a Diagon Alley-esque place that's just packed with colorful people and bursting storefronts. Now this is looking like the area that we are, in fact, procuring here. Now we just need to make sure that we can find some sort of apothecary. They're generally not too hot. I guess we should just ask. So Bartholomew is going to go to the nearest store, whatever it is. It seems to be a um, small jewelry and trinkets menagerie of sorts. Nothing too specific, but nothing very out there. A very small time establishment, it would seem. But fine craftsmanship, nonetheless. The proprietor is a Talic woman who seems quite bored. Bartholomew will approach this Talic woman, and he is just going to... Now, excuse me, ma'am. I am, in fact, trying to find an apothecary, and I was hoping that I could just ask directions from you. And I don't want to take up too much of your time. Of course. It's not a... Uh... Inconvenience. An apothecary, you say? Yes, ma'am. I can only think of one. Perhaps on this street, um, five, six shops down, I believe. A man goes by the name of Matthew. Matthew, say, Matthew, you say? Okay, Matthew, five or six shops down. Thank you very much, ma'am. I must say this is an absolute delightful store. Unfortunately, I'm slightly short on cash at the moment. But for your kind assistance, if you would like to find your way up to the tavern Le Rotz Love, it's got an apostrophe after work after that. It's Lerot's love. You can have yourself a free meal on the house anytime you please. Just tell him Bartholomew sent you if you cannot find me. It was an absolute pleasure, ma'am. And he tips his hat. And he's going to make his way down to find Matthew. She gives you a strange little wave. And one more question before we leave. Uh, do you know of any four-eyed newts in this town by chance? What? Ah, good day to you. Thank you. <laughs> and then I walk out the following. Amazing. <laughs> yes, so I walk out following Barty, and we go out the store, and we go five to six down to It's very interesting that you decided to ask her for a four-eyed newt. I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth. I think most of the people who live there in that forest don't know about the four-eyed newts. Can't imagine that an untrained woman would be familiar but I like your attitude I think you think about two steps ahead of what I do very clever aren't you now here Mickey <laughs> oh, thank you that's very kind of you to say Barty you know you can't really judge people by the way they look right speaking of which I think that Val was onto something when he said that you look and use some sprucing up uh, if you want to I have a disguise kit perhaps I can help you well, I mean, I could tell you that, honestly, it would be helpful to get a little bit of sprucing up here. But the main issue I currently have with my look is the fact that I can't seem to manifest it physically. I mean, look at this. It's connected to my form. I drink that and that goes. But check this out. And he waves his hand through his head and his head doesn't exist. <laughs> he doesn't, someone, like, someone who's like on the side, like just whittling away at something is just like bug eyed as you pass. <laughs> they like cut themselves. <laughs> and it's, I just, I mean, honestly, 
You probably could help, but my issue, my problem is that it's not real. And I'm still working out the kinks in that little one. It's a small thing currently. Most of the time, people don't pay too much attention. And honestly, I only do it because I don't know what it is about these folk out here. But you hear one fairy tale as a child about a little man who steals children, and suddenly they need to chase me off with a pitchfork. <laughs> it's completely uncalled for, in my opinion. To be totally honest, it's completely uncalled for and a little bit racist. Absolutely. I mean, that's I mean appalling to me. You know, speaking of which, I can't really help you in that manner, uh, especially in reference to uh, wielding intent. Of course, because we're from the old world, I can't properly wield intent here. Without a Lycal, which I'm running short supply on right now. Do you know where I could get one by chance? Are you using those Lycals up there? That's, that's fascinating you should mention that. I was actually in a city up north. I can't can't recall the name. But I, I found they're kind of tricky to make. But I can put myself to it all. I'll talk to the apothecary, see if I can grab some of them ingredients. See if I can get that concentrated in it, because it is a hassle and a half. Is it not trying to cast magic? I personally don't partake in the magic, but I heard from some of my companions that the headache you get is just terrific. The stress that it puts on your body isn't... Oh, I'm going on and on, and here we are at the door of this shop here. Let's hop in, then I'll, I'll talk to him about it. Don't worry. Don't you worry, Mickey. I'm thinking about it. Right you are. Thank you, Barty. And Mick opens the door for Barty and says, shall we? We shall indeed. As the two of you step into the shop, it is a just freak show of ingredients from all corners of the earth and beyond, hanging about, displayed in jars and glass cases, some of them still moving and breathing, and just various potions and tinctures and who knows what else on display in racks and shelves, stretching on for who knows how long into the darkness behind the counter where a plump mustachioed balding man sits. Bartholomew looks over to Marty and says, now this is where they get you. We're going to take a cop second here and we're going to have a little look around and we can see just by the prices and his inventory whether or not this is worth our time. Look, I'll show you. And so... Bartholomew has like a, you know, he kind of looks around a little bit. He's seeing things. He's figuring out what kind of things this apothecary has. So Ryan, do you, upon this examination, I can do a check if you'd like. Um, Upon this examination, does he believe, yeah, this is the place we want to go? Yeah, let's do investigation. Nine. This could very well be it. It definitely has the variety you're looking for. Whether or not you'll secure a good deal is an entirely different matter. Well, you know, satisfied with the quality of the goods, he goes up to the mustachioed man and he says, How are you, my fine fella, on this day? Well, it is a fair evening that you would approach me here in my shop. My name is Masio. Masio, you say. Now, Masio, you are the kind of man I'm looking for. You are an apothecary of the highest quality. Of the highest order, I assure you. All my goods are not only hand-picked, hand-sprung, hand-trapped, hand-caught, <laughs> but hand-mashed, melted, mulched, and whatever else you need done to them in the pretense. You and me, we think alike. I can already tell. I'm feeling the connection, because I, too, fully believe that the only thing that you can trust are your two hands. All those fancy-dancy big-city boys with their machines, they don't know the value of a hard day's labor. And getting your hands deep in it. Getting them in the dirt. You're Sareth damn right. And he extends his hand over the <laughs> counter to give you a hearty handshake. 
<laughs> and I extend my own hand, and it's kind of out of sync with the illusion. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere in the city, in the northern market districts, Brynir and Rolandir come to a stop at the edge of a large market plaza that seems to be coming to its closure, nearing, of course, the end of this market day. All right, well, say we find a butcher of some sort, perhaps they can show us their stock. Do you know a good one? Yes, this way. Let's be quick. And Brynir goes to a, a building just a little bit down the way on the right and uh, he go he opens the door and belts out Gildren we need the pig and this hulking Demlek man steps out and he peers over the counter and says Brynja is that you? <laughs> it is I I know I, I look a little bit different he, he steps around the counter and just embraces you in a you know two pats over the shoulder, under the arm type, hearty bro hug embrace. Brynir reciprocates. Um, I take it you two know each other then? Ah, who's the small Phil? This is Rolandir. He, he's a good friend. <laughs> Since when have you been hanging around with Phil brats? Unfortunately, quite some time now. <laughs> it doesn't even defend him. Sick burn. <laughs> Unfortunately, too long. <laughs> Uh, excuse me, what what was your name again? This is Gildren, the best Demlek butcher in Bastion. Nay, in all of the fell. Right, the best butcher, not the... Demlek doesn't even matter. <laughs> is, is he like a hulking guy, like well-built, pretty much as cut as, uh, as Brynir? He's a good head taller than Brynir. I imagine he looks like... Um... Uh, the one dude from Full Metal Alchemist. <laughs> yeah, the, the teacher's uh... teacher's husband. R- Rolandier looks over to the side, at just kind of one of the butching butcher tables that he has behind his counter, <laughs> and he says, "What do you say we do a healthy wager, arm wrestle, me and you?" <laughs> uh, Rolandier, I would uh, step back from that one. No, no, no. I can handle it, and he. Uh, kind of starts taking off some of the more external pieces of his gear that he has on. You see, your friend and I, we, uh, we're in a bit of a tight spot. We need something. A pig, as it were. The whole thing. Live, preferably, but... Rolander, I I think he knows this. It's the first thing that I said to him. Oh, I forgot that. Sorry. Take that back. (laughs) Rewind. (laughs) Uh, nope, it's canon. It's canon. Rolandier's <laughs> like, gotta show my business. I need a pig. I'll arm wrestle you for it. <laughs> this pig that we need. What say I win? You naturally give us this pig for free and throw in a couple days' rations of meat alongside it. And if I win, I set the terms? Well, I think that sounds fair. I set my terms. If I win, I give you a pig, I give you the rations, but I charge you full price tripled in silver. We Demlek only deal in silver. Then Brynir reaches into his pouch and be like, oh, that damned fool of Fran, he left me another little something. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Yes. He he searches his cloak pocket. (laughs) Oh, I didn't even know this was there. Efron still looking out for us. Deus ex Efron. <laughs> After all this. And I have a newt. 
Oh, that crazy fool of fraud. <laughs> I evolved the materials. He, he always saw the end from the beginning. <laughs> he did look into the void, so. Rolandier kind of shoots Brynir a glance and is just like, shrugs his shoulders. All right. Brynir is actually kind of shaking his head and has his, uh, he brings his hand to, up to his head and he's just like, why? What? <laughs> Have it your way. And he, and he puts forth his hand to kind of shake on it. He shakes. Great. The deal is on. <laughs> All right. Rolandier's prepped and ready, and he positions himself on one side of the table, stretching his arm up after planting his elbow firmly down. As does our friend the Butcher. This is going to be a series of strength contests is what this is going to be. Rolandier is also prepping an intent check. <laughs> Cheating? <laughs> he's <called>. juicing. <laughs> well, because here's the thing. he He's trying to prove a point that he's not just strong, but he's not also just some fell brat, that he's like a godborn. He can wreck this guy if he wants to. Oh, man. So, <laughs> Shows up to the butcher. You give me that pig or I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a godborn, you hear? <laughs> doesn't even, doesn't even, the guy's like, Bryn here. Oh, you need a pig? Yeah, no problem. You give that to me or I will freaking rip your arm off, okay? <laughs> Don't test me. I'm a godborn. <laughs> yeah, but the whole, the whole, you know, being excluded from the group of intent casters really, uh, really struck a nerve. That's all he's been thinking about on his jog. <laughs> I'll show you. So do I need to tell you what he's going to do, or should we wait until we see what the role is? Let's wait and see until we know what the role is. All right, so first... All right, but he's, he's going he's gonna to try to do it as soon as, like, the time starts, when they're, like, pushing forward. Then the time starts. All right. So as soon as, you know, the time is called, they start pushing forward, he's going to actually give it, like, a second or two just to kind of test the strength of this guy. So he'll probably do, like, one strength check. Go for it. We just got a 24. I got a nine. You move 45 <laughs> degrees down. <laughs> I'll show right. him. I'll show him. <laughs> Brynir's already counting out the silver. Yeah. <laughs> at the sight of this, Brynir just looks at Rolander. He's like, come on, Godborn. We're going to do that intent check now. Okay, go for it. All right. Um, so my D20, my D20 is uh, 28. Could have used that on my strength check. <laughs> Great. 59 on my D100. You succeed. Rolandir was envisioning that as he like pulls back a little bit and he's, you know, being defeated quite handily by this large Demlik man, that he'll be able to kind of push back slightly back up to midway and then throw the other guy's arm down so hard that it'll actually like not break the table because it's a nice table. He doesn't want to put this guy out like an entire slaughter table, but like break off one of the planks or chip the wood, something that's like more than just throwing his arm down. Roll roll a second strength check for me real quick for contest. Um, that is 23. So as you start to make your way back up, you go to the middle and then in like the flash of an eye, um, so this guy's <laughs> arm is connected to yours on the table. So his his shoulder and bicep to his elbow do not move. His forearm snaps down. Did you just break his elbow? <laughs> you freaking psycho, man. I can heal him. I can heal him, I swear. <laughs> his forearm 
snaps down onto the table as at the end of the table, Brynir's face is flecked with a little bit of blood as this guy's like ulna snaps through his skin. And oh just... no! Oh my god! Holy gosh. crap, Rolan here! you! I'm a god born! F you! Mm, mm, give me the pit! Mm, mm. <laughs> and this guy doesn't move a muscle. And then he scoots back away from the table. He stands looking at his broken arm, like bleeding onto the table, the bone, and he just reaches in with a meaty hand and he takes his exposed bone and he fits it back inside his skin and muscle, rips off one of his shirt sleeves, ties it around like in a sling, and he's like, all right. I'll give you your damn pig. Jeez, this dude's metal. <laughs> Seriously, wow. though. I want this oh, guy on man. our team. <laughs> yeah. Across the way, near the wharf and the more uh, prosperous districts of Bastion, atop a small hill, Val, Vamak, and Luna come to a stop outside a rusted gate, barely ajar, in front of a large manor that bears the name the Grey Eyes Estate. It looks dilapidated. A large part of it is blown apart. It seems that some sort of government officials have taken steps to restrict the area from passage, but maybe adventurous youth have continually snuck in and put their efforts to shame. So getting inside its perimeter is not difficult at all. As you walk up to its entrance, the door is open. The ground is littered with dirt and dead leaves, and it's just now molded with snow as the wood has been wetted over the years and never really had a chance to survive the elements. Luna steps in gingerly, not cautiously, but almost with an air of respect. Can I do a real quick detect magic just in case? Yes, go for it. Is there any magic things within 30 feet of me? As you feel around to your immediate right walking in, there seems to be a library of sorts, a rather large room, the front of which kind of extended outward from the house in a nice you know, window study area. That seems to be teeming with some residual magic from ages past, well not ages past, but from years past, where obviously the source of this destruction was magical in nature. Ah, okay. So it's not like there aren't magic objects in there. It's just some some, some vibes, some mm-hmm. residue. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where would you suggest we begin looking, Luna? She's silent. She's kind of just in this middle area, staring up the spiral staircase to the second and third floors, and it doesn't seem like she actually heard you. Okay, I'm going to send the archbishop over to, like, sit on her shoulder. As it touches down on her, she jumps a little startled and looks over at you and says, I, what, what? Did you know these people? Um... Yes. In fact, you did too. This is this is the home of the Grey Eyes. I believe you met Saren. Oh, uh, yeah. This was their family's house when they were still alive and funnily enough, this is where my um my teacher died. Did trees in here? Like I said, we won't find a tree, but something made of the wood. <laughs> If there was anywhere richer, I'd say we look there, but here's a good place to start. Gold, silver, whatnot, jewels would have been ransacked or taken after the estate fell into disrepair, but <laughs> no one really sees the value of wood <laughs> just off the bat. I'll um I'll look upstairs on the on the third floor and maybe one of you can take the second and one of you stays down here and pokes around. Alright. 
Which would you prefer, Vermok? It is of no consequence, but for the sake of decisiveness, I will take the second floor. Val will nod and... Can I send the Archbishop off down, like, one hallway and then go the opposite direction? Yeah. This bottom floor, as you all then fan out, for Val's sake, this bottom floor seems the most picked apart and the most in disrepair. Whatever structural supports there are seem to be sagging, really lagging in whatever upkeep and construction sturdiness that they had from their time before. The house honestly looks like it's on the verge of collapse, but as you are poking around through this opulent study, through a kitchen, through a living space that's more than generously sized, you don't seem to find anything that would resemble this specific variant of oak. And as the archbishop kind of circles around on the opposite side and the two of you meet back in the middle, it delivers a similar report. I kind of want to poke around the library and see if I can ascertain anything from that while everyone else is working. All right. Vamok poking around on the second floor, you do come upon a locked door that seems to be perhaps a master bedroom of sorts. Does it have like a keyhole? Yeah. Can I like look through it? You can. Okay, Vamok's gonna take a little peek through the keyhole. As you bend down and peer inside, it's pretty dark. The last vestiges of sunlight are on the horizon and coming into this room, casting long shadows across a moldy bed, some destroyed furniture, and everything is just covered in dust. You hear consistent dripping. I'm going to have to investigate this. Um, Vamok is going to cast gaseous form, turn into a misty cloud, and zip on into the bedroom via the keyhole. <laughs> nice. This is something that makes... Whoosh. He was casting gaseous form earlier that day, too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, after the uh, panacea, you know, that was... That was more of a solid form. Now, as <laughs> that... you... That was liquid, liquid form, probably. <laughs> as you pass through the keyhole and appear on the other side, regaining your solid state, you see the bedroom in more detail. There does seem to be an expansive armoire on one side. The windows on the terminal end seem to be completely shattered. However, this armoire seems, for the most part, unscathed, which is very unlike the rest of the house. Vumak heads over to the armoire, one examining the armoire itself, seeing if it's made out of the correct type of wood, and then... After looking at the outside, he'll go ahead and open it up, see what's inside. As you open it, it is completely empty, save for, in the middle, a small rusted key. Vamok will gingerly pick up the key, wary of any booby traps. You pick up the key and a bit of it flakes off, like the little ring at the end, but the key part at least is intact. Okay. I try the key on the bedroom door. As you move back over to the bedroom door and insert the key, it doesn't seem to fit into the lock. It's too small. So it goes to something else. Yeah, I'm going to start looking around, see if I can find anything. I'm going to see if perhaps there's a false bottom or a false back to the armoire. Or Oh, and I'm also going to send a message uh, to Val and Luna and just let them know that there could be something up here on the second floor. Do an investigation check for me. The man got a 17. As you're poking around the armoire, you actually do find near the back a small slot that would be able to hold the key. And as you insert and turn it, 
there does seem to be a false bottom that then pops up. Inside, you find a strange assortment of things. Four-eyed newt. <laughs> they do exist. A newt with four eyes jumps out at you and latches onto your neck. No. <laughs> a strange assortment of things. There is a block of wood that has a very distinct smell and an intricate carving upon it, uh, unmistakable as this Sindarin oak. However, there is also a short sword in there that its scabbard seems to have a strange purple hue to it. Likewise, there are robes of black and purple. And as you poke around them, lifting them up, turning them around, you do find the insignia of a rose within a 12-spoked wheel. And you also find a rolled-up piece of parchment. I'm going to go ahead and unroll that piece of parchment and see what it says. It seems to be a letter. However, it is written in a language you cannot read. Even if Vamak has Eyes of the Rune Keeper, which allows him to read all writing? Yes. If Val were here, this would be giving off a very large aura. <laughs> so maybe this is an opportune time for Val and Luna, who got your message, to enter. And Val, as you see Vamok with this unfurled scroll, you see just this haze of magical light from your detect magic spell that is growing brighter and brighter and wider and wider the longer this scroll is open. I think perhaps you should close that, just in case. What is the matter? Uh, there is an aura growing constantly every second it is open. Very well. We should examine this in a more private setting. In any event, I have also found a block of the wood which we can use to perform the spell. So I would say that our job here is done. All right. And Vamak closes the thing and he just picks it up and he's going to take the whole thing with him. Oh, like the whole false bottom or? Well, w was this in a, uh, was it in a box or was it all just in the false bottom? It's in like a trunk of sorts that's pretty small, like a footlocker. Oh, okay, yeah. So Vamok closes the footlocker and he's just going to take the whole thing with him. Is is the sword or the cloak magical as well? With the aura that was coming from the scroll, it was really impossible to differentiate anything else. Okay, that's fine. I'll identify them when we get home. As they're walking out, the mock does say, It is quite curious, though. There is something written on the piece of parchment that I could not read. This is very unusual, as I have enchanted one of my eyes to read anything. There is a strong magic that binds it. That much is quite apparent. But we should proceed with caution. I would not want to signal any malignant beings. Yeah, we'll go with that. Then let's get out of here as quick as possible. We'll meet the others in the plaza. I'm sure they finished their tasks. Back in the crowded alleyway shops, Barty and Mickey find themselves in this cramped apothecary with Matthew, the proprietor. Now, Matthew, I am in a desperate need of the third eye of some four-eyed newts. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Do I know what you're talking about? Four-eyed newts. Yes. Of course I've heard of such things, but to procure one in this state, it's quite outside of my normal repertoire. Yeah, I understand. I do. I realize that we are far from the native habitat. I am actually procuring a, hmm, a substitute, maybe a more natural, more local substitute than, you know, we might find here. It's just, I believe that it's difficult for us to find something of that sort out in these parts so far away, but 
maybe you could educate me a little bit more. Do we have a similar thing? Something that could just work as well? Well, um, the only thing that comes to mind is <sighs> the eye of a heterochromatic Jabberwock. <laughs> a heterochromatic Jabberwock. You can find those around here? Well, it depends. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a question of simple rarity and uh, probability when it comes down to things. Of course, this is a science, my good man. Well, now you're speaking my language. Okay, I mean, if I knew that we were looking for the heterochromatic Jabberwock, then, my good sir, I'd have come in here asking for that. Well, do educate me on where I could acquire the eye of a heterochromatic Jebwak. Well, I think they're native to the fields of Amara. Well, I mean, Amarok traders pass through here nearly every day. Mm, the Amarok traders, you say? Well, fascinating indeed, because you know, as you can tell, I am Amarok. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm actually procuring them. The accent was a dead giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> I am procuring them. On behalf of some of my friends from America, because they said they didn't have none. It's just crazy. I don't suppose you'd have any here that must in your have shop. Been quite the jest they playing on you. Well, yeah, you know those guys. You you start chatting with them, and it's just <laughs> they're a barrel of laughs. Great, great guys. Well, I tell you what, you have pointed me in the right direction, Matthew. You get out of out of town much? No, of course not. I have my assistants do all my gathering. Well, I'll tell you what, Matthew. You have been such a huge help. I tell you what. You come down to the tavern, Le Rotz's Love, and I will get you a free meal on the house. And you look like a man who could enjoy a meal now. You are, aren't you, Matthew? I know you are. At least for a day. (laughs) Okay, you come up there, and I will treat you right. I promise you this will be the best pork you've ever eaten in your life. I'll take you up on that offer, I assure you. Where would one find this uh, tavern? Just a few miles out of town, heading up towards the mountains there. It's just, it's a beaut. You can't miss it. Follow the north road straight, or follow the south road straight out. You'll see her on the side. Wonderful. Well, I'll keep that in mind, uh, my good sir. Or could you, because I got myself in a tumble here in the city. No, I just, you start walking down one road and you lose yourself. Could you point me my way back towards my fellow Emeric brethren? Well, if anything, they'll be wanting to head south, so I'd try the South Central Plaza. You, sir, are a gentleman and, quite clearly, a scholar. Thank you very much. And again, tip of the hat. I, I love Matthew. Can we adopt Matthew, too? I love that Matthew <clears throat> said he does everything with his own two hands, and <laughs> of course not. I have my assistants gather everything. <laughs> Do my gathering. <laughs> Bartholomew's going to grab Mickey, and I think they're heading to the South Central Plaza. You enter the South Central Plaza the same time as Luna, Valve, and Vamak, and Rolandir and Brynir. And you do see near the gates a rather large caravan of Emeric traders just about to get on their way. As Rolandir's and Brynir are walking up, you can hear them kind of bickering. I'm sorry, I healed him, okay? He did. He was resistant to it, but it was not my fault. You heard what he called me. Yes, and I think you could have suffered a little bit longer, you pig. Ugh, we didn't have time anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and as we're doing this, he gave us a live pig, by the way, so it's kind of squealing and whatnot, and Rolander just has it thrown over his shoulder. <laughs> oh, jeez. Okay. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways. Oh, look, there are the others there. Um, were you all as successful as we were? And this Is that how you handle a pig? I don't know. I normally just handle them dead. Put it down. I <laughs> I want to get I want to cast 
like, major image. <laughs> like, a rope to, like, tie the pig so it can, like, you know, just chill. And Rolandier kind of <laughs> sets it down and holds on to it until Val can make this rope. This caravan does seem to be gearing up to leave. Bartholomew goes, I will be successful here in a bit. Let me just go talk to my brothers. And he gets, like, this jog going on. He's going to head there. Hey, 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 you will... Hold on for a second there. I'd like to talk to you. And one of the traders turns. He adjusts a scarf that's sort of uh, draped across his body. And he says, yes, maybe help you. Uh, yeah, yeah, indeed. You know, I am trying to procure the eye of a heterochromatic Jabberwock. And a little birdie told me I might be able to find it with you. Well, I mean, the Jabberwock is a rare creature, of course. And for one to have heterochromia is, albeit rarer, if you are willing to uh, bargain, perhaps we can find one in our stores for the right price. My friend, look at me. Of course I'm willing to bargain. I would not come to you if this were not an object of importance to me. And I understand that you as a merchant are expecting a fair price, and I'd like to break this down and we can make this happen. My friends here are needing that eye like I need my left hand. So let's talk. It would be a great shame if I made a man pay much for his own hand, but... I am a medic. <laughs> and that's what I love about you. <laughs> says the guy who's pretending to be a medic. <laughs> <laughs> has Mick followed um, Barty up to this procession? Yes, uh, yes, Mick has followed. Mm. Now, um, tell me, you and your friend, you, you, you are what? He looks at Mick. Uh, a tail? Yes, I am a tail lick man. <laughs> I I am going to require a deception check. <laughs> From Mick, who has been as a, okay, cool. <laughs> Don't worry, I got a very low insight. <laughs> oh, good, because I got seventeen. Well, actually, that's not bad, but no, that's great. You he just like kind of blinks and. Uh, comes back to himself. He's like, very well then. If you wouldn't mind, then uh, we can deal in, of course, the Ur, if that is more uh, uh, amiable to you. However, uh, we have our share of cuts, caps, pegs, and so forth. <laughs> so long as you aren't one of those Demlik folks, uh, we don't prefer silver. I heard that. <laughs> He's like 50 <laughs> miles away, 50 feet away. You didn't hear that. <laughs> I heard that, you racist pig. He's a godborn. He'll break your arm. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can create an appropriate and honestly mutually beneficial option. My good friends, how often do you come to Bastion? Not often enough. I'll say that for sure. And you know what you always need when you're coming to Bastion? You need conveniently located hospitality at a great price. And as we all know, no one wants to stay in the city. There's crime in the city. No, we want the country life. We want a little bit outside, but just close enough to visit the stores. You can bring your wagons, park them near my inn. You ever heard of Lerotz's Love? I can't say that I have, to be honest. It's... And that, sir, is the greatest tragedy of your short time here in Bastion. I tell you what, I promise you, as the new... I I'm not the proprietor. My friends here are the proprietor. But I am the new head manager of Lerotz's Love. That is not only the best inn you will find here and the most delightful food you will eat here, but it's the safest place you will be here. Because we're never there. I tell you where. Because we're... You, you helped me find this eye 
and you get me a good price. I'm asking for a fair price. I'm not asking it for free. I understand you're a businessman, you need to walk. And I can guarantee you safe, secure, and comfortable hospitality every time you come to Bastion. No matter the time, no matter the hour, we are there to serve you. Well, you pushed quite the bargain. Now, the fellfolk have a saying that a whisperer is worth a hundred bolts, so perhaps this information could be quite useful to us. I think we could strike a deal, and I think one of my colleagues here may just have what you're looking for. An eye, you say. Yes, I think we have it. Just the thing. And he rummages through uh, some of the wares on this wagon, going bit by bit until he finds a small box that he then comes up to you and he opens it. And within said box are two eyes, one blue, one yellow. We'll take the lot. <laughs> <laughs> you, you took the lead now. Go ahead, Mickey. Yes, we'll take both. <laughs> and, um... I would be remiss then for asking a price. Of course, like I said, you value this more than your own left hand. And factoring in this nice little tidbit about this comfortable inn that we perhaps will visit just this night, what do you think a fair price would be, my, uh, my Talek friend? Oh, excuse me, but can you really put a price on hospitality? I suppose if one wishes to stay in business, one must. Fair point. What do you say, Barty? I just forgot your name. I was like, Boothy, Brothy. Brothy. <laughs> Brothly. If you're talking to me, it's the clearest thing. Now, I heard you are a not a fan of trading in silver, and that is unfortunate indeed. Now, myself, I'm a little short on cash, but let me see if I can find you. What's the second biggest denomination in the bolts cuts thing? That would be a silver ram. Silver. Oh, well, they don't want silver, though. Okay, what's the third biggest then? <laughs> he reaches into his pouch and says, that darn defron. <laughs> <laughs> It's incredible. He didn't even... <laughs> didn't even, didn't even know him. That crazy fool of <laughs> Okay, he says, Now, I'm sitting here on some bronze pegs, and I understand this is two of them, so that's a hefty little price there. But I'll tell you what. Why don't we go my ten pegs for one of them their eyes? And the hospitality, of course. Hmm. That is a good offer. One I can take. <laughs> Very well. Would you prefer blue or yellow? <laughs> I'm more of a yellow man myself. I find the blues taste a little acidic. To each their own. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Start eating this eye. I know. He's like one to make the thing, one to eat. It's <laughs> like, wow, this is a real treat. <laughs> so let's make this body. <laughs> it was a treat for him all along. The American man is like, oh. That is something I've never considered. And he takes the blue eye and he pops it into his mouth. And then he closes the case with the yellow eye and he hands it to you. Taking, of course, your money. What What was your name again, sir? I'm sorry, I believe I never asked. My name is Adadin. Adadin, you are my kind of fella. You see something, you hear something, and you try it. That, that is the reason you were the kind of client I want over there at Leroth's Love. So you head on down there. We're going to take care of you, okay? Be it this night, be it a little bit later. Well, of course. I mean, my man and I, we won't cause too much of a ruckus, but I must tell you, we have quite a share of good jokes about the Vizier's Palace. Eyeball in tow. He's, uh, he's ready to head back. And Mickey falls as well and puts his arm around Barty and says, Nice talking, Tex. Serious. <laughs> 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 
And you know, he turns. No, he turns over to. He turns over to Mickey and says, "You know, I really appreciate that. Sometimes I feel like my haggling game is a little bit off. Maybe I offer too many pegs, but." You know, they always say you've got to spend money to make money. And I think that in our end, what we need now is customers. And if that means a couple of free meals, a couple of free meals it'll be, we will be on the way to success. Then with everyone's ingredients secured, the group makes it their way back to the inn. Luna ushers everyone once inside downstairs to the summoning circle and turning toward Vamok, Val, Rolandier, and Bartholomew. As she's going down, she says, I, I think we can we can do this now. We can do this tonight. Right? Traditionally, I require 24 hours to properly construct, but uh, if you're willing to sacrifice a little bit of quality, we might be able to. I said, <laughs> he's, he's like just... all droop. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, as long as you can just get it the right shape, we should be able to take care of the rest. All right. Well, then, Rylandir, I'm going to need you to slaughter that pig, and I'm going to need y'all to give me two hours, and I'll get you the blank if you want to make it into the body. All right. Well, I will go do this outside. Don't want to desecrate this place. And Rylandir goes outside to... Probably best to. It, it tends to be a messy experience. Remember, sledgehammer to the forehead to stun it, and then you <laughs> slice the throat. Rylander goes outside to take care of that. I learned that in a novel. Oh. I was like, wow, that was like super snappy with the methods and everything. All right. Then coming in a short time later, Rolandier presents the now butchered and somewhat cleaned um, body of the pig. All right. Bartholomew takes the pig. He takes the other ingredients. He takes his pack. He just kind of shoes everyone away for a sec. And he's just going to start compiling his things. You hear some, yeah, full metal alchemist-esque under the breath counting of 35 liters of water. He's just kind of doing this thing. And yeah, after a couple of hours, it probably takes a little bit longer than two. You know, he originally said, I'm going to need two hours. It probably takes a little bit longer. Uh, it's a fairly complicated process. But basically, he, he goes upstairs carrying what appears to be almost everything that was brought down with him. And uh, he says, well, the blank is down there. Honestly, it looks more like a lump of flesh than anything at this point. But if you all want to go give it a go, I think it can take you where you want to go. I think so. And Luna looks at Val and Rolandier. And for Mark, shall we? Yeah. I am ready. I would simply caution us to be specific in what we wish to accomplish as we are using this intent. Uh, I've had a bit of an unfortunate experience in town by not doing that, so just use caution. Can I have spent those, like, a couple of hours with Luna, like, using disguise self to continually, like, perfect an illusion of what her teacher looked like? Yes, yes, that's a great idea. The four of them head into the basement where this blank sits, as Bartholomew called it. Luna looks to Val and Rolandir and she says, Here's what's going to happen. Val, I'll need you to form the body. Rolandir, you'll keep it stable. And once that's done, I'll crack open the void. And Vamak, you just reach in and you, you take back his soul. Can you do that? Yes. His name was Cad, or Cadagas. Cadagas. Very well. I should be able to identify him and bring him back. This will all have to happen within seconds of each other. Val, you'll start, and then Rolandia, and then myself, and finally Vamok. It shouldn't take longer than five seconds. If it does, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Hopefully not. Well, I'm ready. 
As am I. Whenever you want. Val will go for it. I assume I'm rolling intent. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Roll. Yeah, both of you roll intent and then tell me uh, what you do. Give me some flavor text. I rolled a 25 on my d20 and a 70 on my d100. Okay. Uh, Rolander rolled a 23 on his d20 and a 76 on his d100. Set the stage, Laurel, for this transmutation. I think Val thinks of construction a lot like creating an illusion. So he approaches it from that fashion of like, I have already created this illusion. I'm just going to sort of like fit, like remove the illusion from myself and fit this block of flesh into it, I think is sort of his method of madness here and is going to combine his knowledge of fabricate that spell and sort of like mesh those two things into the same spell and just fit this clay into his mold. As you do, this being starts to writhe and change shape as steam rises from its pores. And as this being begins to kind of obtain its more human-esque properties, Rolandier kneels down next to it and he places one hand on its head, one hand on just one of its thighs. And similar to what happens when he uses his blood to infuse his sword, it's actually kind of looking like he's creating some sort of cycle between himself and the body just to give it this sustaining life force until it's able to really have its soul completed. And so it's, it's painful, honestly, for him because it's kind of pulling life out of him, but it's helping to give this kind of intent-boosted life back to the corpse. If Val is on the right side of the body, Rolandir is on the left, then Luna is at its feet, and as she grabs onto its feet, she starts to mutter something, and on its forehead, the skin starts to peel apart as a almost portal of sorts seems to open, slowly widening and it is just this gaping blackness that is just exuding heat and energy. As the portal opens, what looks to be a carbon copy of Vamok leaves Vamok's body as his soul exits its vessel and then reaches into the void and calls out, Gadagas, come forth, and he reaches in. And Vamok, you see a veritable army of souls barreling toward you through this pitch blackness, their screams and wails echoing and shattering inside your mind until one of them, more powerful than the others, bats its way to the front of this hellish procession and then grips your hand. And in a deep voice in Kinlish that is like transcribed into your mind into an understandable language, you hear, I've come. And with that, Vamok pulls him straight out of the void and releases him into the prepared body. And as you release this soul, you look up toward Val and Luna and Rolandir, and they're still there above the body, but you are not in the tavern. And you feel a hand on your shoulder, a strange presence, and these twisting sinews of crimson and pitch black flesh curl across your arm until they form clawed fingers and a demonic visage that finally appears in front of you hovering over this corpse and it says we meet at last welcome to the void my name 
is the betrayer gone? Air. And then, in a flash of light, Luna, Vamok, Rolandir, and Val fall to the ground. The candles and lights go out beneath the tavern as their bodies lie still for some time before Bartholomew creaks open the door and takes a step down these old stone stairs, igniting something to give himself some light and coming upon the summoning circle, he finds the four bodies splayed out on the ground, each of them cold to the touch. <laughs> 